listening to the Levitate Podcast. I'm Stacey Hollifield, the founder of Levitate. On the Levitate Podcast, we take a look at our ever-changing world through the lens of leaders making a difference. If you work for a company whose goal is to generate revenue, then sales is part of your job, and this is a discussion you don't want to miss. I sat down to talk with Jim Wilcox, one of my favorite people, president and owner of Wilcox & Associates, about the importance of behavior, attitude, and technique in achieving sales success. Thank you so much for coming out to be on the Levitate podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, I appreciate you having me. Yes. So if you can just start, tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of give us in the audience an introduction. Okay. So I'm Jim Wilcox. I own a business in Fort Wayne here called Wilcox and Associates. We're a Sandler training organization. Um, Been around for about four and a half years. Uh, Currently have an office in Fort Wayne, one in South Bend. And I've got a team of uh, four people working. Makes Makes it a lot of fun. So before we get into a little bit more about what you do, I'm gonna talk a little bit about how I met you because okay. it's like it's almost equivalent to a breakup story. I feel like because worse than getting broken are, are up. Are we gonna with, drop names yeah. here? Can we? <laughs> oh yeah. Can we say this is the Chad Towner interview? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I hope Chad's listening. <laughs> the only thing worse than getting broken up with is getting dumped by your mentor. So I had sort of adopted Chad as mm-hmm. a mentor and. Um, I must have been becoming like a needy girlfriend because <laughs> he handed me off yep. to you. And so, but one of the one of the greatest things that has happened to me. So Chad handed me off to you and made the introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met you. And um, through our relationship and working with you and through your work with Wilcox and Associates has been truly has been an incredible experience for me using you as a mentor and the guidance. I know, especially when I was first getting started with Levitate and let's be honest, pretty consistently, I need a little uh, swift kick in the butt to get going. And you are always um, the person that (laughs) provides that for me. I'm happy to provide that to you. But so having someone that can play that role um, has been really important to me. And that is a lot of, of what you do. Well, I do appreciate that. It means a lot to me. I, uh, you know, it's a double-edged sword with Chad. He, he was. We were talking one day, and he said, "Hey, I really need to introduce you to somebody." And uh, as you and I have joked around for a long time, I'm still wondering why in the hell has Chad <laughs> made this introduction. But I think we have a wonderful business relationship and a wonderful friendship, and I truly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us, tell me more about what you what you do. What is Wilcox and Associates doing? It's a great question. So at the end of the day, we're working with businesses all around the country, but we're mainly focused on Northern Indiana and we're helping companies really achieve their the results that they desired, whether it's revenue, growth, through a couple of different means. The, the core of what we do is sales, sales management, and customer service training. We do that on a reinforcement basis, whether people are coming to us for the training or whether we're going in and training companies privately. Uh, We do a lot of executive coaching. Um, We do a lot of working with businesses on strategic planning. Uh, We actually have a new program that we're rolling out that we're doing a lot of marketing for right now called um, Organizational Excellence. And so that program is very exciting to me because we'll be taking companies from wherever they're at today to help them get truly to the growth goals that they want to get to. And this is going 
if you think about we're in strategic planning kind of season mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. this is going kind of back before we even get to strategic planning and we're really sitting down with leaders to say, okay, what is it that you want? So I would say, Stacy, what do you want out of this business? You're doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's either to put millions in the bank, it could be to you know fund your your vacation home in wherever you want it to be. It could be for other reasons, right? But each one of us business owners, we have a specific reason or specific reasons why we're doing this business. So we're starting from there and then we're mapping out what does it look like, whatever the end game is. So whether I wanna grow a business to sell it, I wanna grow a business to fund my children's college, buy a vacation home, whatever it is, between now and then, we wanna start mapping that process out. And from there, we can start to do strategic planning. We can start to define the positions. We can look at the people we have today and the people we're going to need tomorrow. So that really fits into the core of what we do as well. I feel like I should sign up for the class. You're going to. (laughs) You're gonna require that? (laughs) Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Well, even just hearing about that reminds me of, because I went through the class series with you, Mm Um, and as a business owner, and, and, and I know it's not, you know, exclusive to business owners, but in a variety of different roles, but it's so easy to get caught up in the day to day to day to day to day to day, you know, mm-hmm. just all the chaos and the details, whatever. And every single time I went to class, it was such a breath of fresh air to take a step back and really think, but also to be challenged. And I know, right. you know. We, we do some sparring in, in class, and right. I don't always immediately buy into things, but being able to think about the sales process and growth goals and mm-hmm. what are what are goals, you know, because lots of times it's easy to focus. It's really easy to focus on numbers, yeah. and is that, really, is that really what your goal is? Is your goal just to achieve a revenue number, or is it something bigger than that? But so being challenged to think and take a step back was one of the things that I loved most about class was yeah. looking at things from a different different perspective. I, pre- I appreciate that. I think that I have a couple thoughts on that. One, I think this time of the year is very much a double-edged sword. So we look into 2019, for instance, and we say, okay, we're going to set these big ambitious goals, whether it's a revenue target, whether it's the number of people I want at the end of the year, et cetera. And we say, okay, we're going to go get it. And then much like our gym memberships that we're all about to sign up for, you know, come March 1st, only a few of us are actually moving towards those. By the time June hits, you know, we've long forgotten about, you know, the 1995 where, you know, we're paying a Planet Fitness for, you know, uh, for that membership. So this is why I'm excited about the program we're launching, because while we've done that type of thing before and and you just kind of you know, laid that out a little bit, we're actually gonna go back and do the really hard grind of getting that stuff done, really documenting, you know, the mission, the vision, the values, the, the why am I doing this mm-hmm. to begin with, mm-hmm. and then starting to map out. So we're kind of taking strategic planning and putting it on steroids a little bit, but we're gonna take people over the course of an entire year and run them through that, because you're right, we do get caught up in the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And while I may, you know, I may do a great job planning now and I may start out the beginning of the year really strong, life happens. Right. You know, somebody quits or an unexpected big win comes in and then we're distracted from it and we get off track just ever so slightly. Yeah, it's that accountability role. <laughs> it and is. 
I think when you're at a in a leadership role, and especially, I feel this in a smaller organization, although people may feel it across all, you're holding yourself accountable. But frankly, there there isn't anyone else that's on the on in terms of achieving all of those. So it's so easy to get bogged down and lose yeah. sight of that. But when you're going to a class or a check-in or you know whatever it might be, and someone's reminding you, I mean. I mean, you know, I adore you. You're also, we also have some really painful conversations because yeah. you're someone that comes and says things to me that, um, that's that aren't comfortable. Right. You know, that pushes me to do more and reminds me of what I wanted to achieve and how I've gotten off track. And um, those are not always my favorite conversations <laughs> to have. <laughs> and sometimes I avoid you at all costs. But, <laughs> but it's true. It's really, it's really, it can be really raw. And yeah. it can be really personal because, I mean, I always say I have I have my baby, my child, mm-hmm. Noah, and I have my baby, my company. Right. And I don't like being criticized on how I'm doing with either of those right. things. But when someone comes in and, and even when it's providing you with guidance and positive reinforcement, it's still really personal. But you have managed to create these safe environments. And again, bringing mm-hmm. other people in and having groups of leadership come together when everyone can be a little more vulnerable and right. say, um, you know, this is where I'm succeeding. And honestly, this is where I'm really struggling. Right. And people chime in and, and talk about it. Sometimes it felt like, honestly, it felt like therapy for me going to class because I didn't feel so alone. Yeah. So getting that little bit of guidance and poke is really just so beneficial and that but creating that environment is not an easy thing to do where you bring in that level of trust and yeah. guidance. Yeah. So l- let's break down this piece of the conversation really quick. Because I think there's three or four things that we're talking about here. The first one is, you know, when we look at the sales training aspect and you've been through that, you know, when you're going through a reinforcement type of scenario like Sandler provides, people are coming to us week in and week out to learn a process and then learn a methodology for selling. And that is um, that is very, uh, I don't know if cathartic's the right word, maybe I'll save that for the coaching piece <laughs> that we're gonna talk about. But um, you know, when you're when you're with a group of like-minded people and you're learning the same process and you realize that, hey, somebody's been through this before or somebody has a great idea that I can take and make my own, that's very, very rewarding. And you learn quickly in that manner. You also realize that, hey, other people are going through the same thing too. They hate to prospect as much as I do. From the leadership training, we we do a monthly uh, leadership training. Um, When you're in that, you realize that managers and owners, holy cow, they have the same problems I do. Mm -hmm. And that is a little bit of a deeper discussion. You know, we've said that you know, in management training, what happens, we treat it like Vegas, right? What happens in that room stays in that room. And we're all talking about maybe at another level, you know, some of the personal issues that we're dealing with managing people and managing our organization. The third thing that is part of this conversation, I think, is the one-on-one coaching. Mm -hmm. So you and I have very much a executive coaching relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's where things really get real, right? That's where, you know, it's not me criticizing you, it's me challenging you and asking you really, really tough, direct questions to help you get out of your own way, you know, on things that you may be standing on your own foot with, right? And so I think that 
you know, the, the question is, do I have one or all of those, right? So many sales professionals would never invest in themselves. And quite honestly, so many companies, probably some listening, listening would never invest in their people to, to have them go through that process. It's not about just me learning how to go out and close. It's me learning an entire process from a behavior attitude technique perspective, mm-hmm. same thing with management, and then take it to the next level of, you know, having an executive coach, somebody, because nobody's holding you and I accountable. Right. That's a thing that you and I do for each other mm-hmm. is that we can have accountability here, but who's holding other entrepreneurs accountable? Right. That's, to me, that's an interesting question and one that, you know, I didn't really consider even in the previous business that I owned. Um, and, and really until I started doing it for other people, you know, who's holding us accountable? Nobody is. Right. And unless we have that type of relationship, are we really getting to where we need to be? Some people do, and they do a great job. Other people, maybe not so much. Right, exactly. You're listening to the Levitate Podcast. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. One of the challenges that I had to overcome was I came in with the philosophy and the belief that I don't do sales. Right. And I held on really tight to I don't do sales, I do business development. Right. <laughs> As if there's a difference. <laughs> there's a great book out there by Daniel Pink called Everybody Sells, I think is the name of it. And that's a wonderful book for those who are struggling with the whole mindset piece of am I in sales or business development or am I an account executive or some other name that we're giving for sales at the end of the day. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful read because really nothing happens until something's sold, right? So if you're a teacher, nothing happens until an idea is sold. Right. If you're in healthcare, nothing happens until recovery or wellness or prevention is sold. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're in business, obviously nothing happens until an account for you and I is sold or a product is sold for, you know, say one of our manufacturing clients. So when it comes to the the actual process of selling, there are so many moving pieces, right? At the highest level, we're talking about, you know, a seven-step process for selling, which is establishing the relationship. Within that, there's a lot that goes into that, right? How do we approach people? How do we understand people? Even before any of that, what's our own mindset around what we're doing? It's really, really hard not to be emotionally attached when you've got a big opportunity in front of you or when you need the sale, right? right? right. You're getting, everybody's at the end of the year and a lot of people out there are trying to close the year strong and it's really hard not to get emotionally attached. Um, And we do stupid things when we're emotionally attached. We try too hard. We don't ask the right questions, maybe not the tough questions. So all that- I think I need that on a poster. (laughs) You do stupid things when you're emotionally attached. That's right. We need to have that printed and and put up, right? need that daily reminder right now. But that applies in so many, so many places, doesn't it? From a bonding and rapport perspective, there's a lot to consider. Um, in, In Sandler, we talk about the upfront contract, which is setting equal business stature and really having an understanding of time, agenda, and then most importantly, outcome. Mm-hmm. Too many times in the sales process, we hear and we give wishy-washy statements that might sound something like this. Hey, Stacy, this sounds great. Love what you're doing here at Levitate. Let's get together in a few weeks and you know, I'll think about what you said. By the way, send me some information and uh, I'll be sure to read it. Right? That's super wishy-washy. I feel like you hacked into my email. <laughs> I, 
I may have. We get it all the time, but we've got to overcome that, mm-hmm. right? So we've got to we've got to set some equal business stature. I'm happy to get you whatever you want as long as there's some sort of quid pro quo, yeah. right? Some sort of agreed upon outcome. I send you information, you review it, we get together and discuss. Yeah. We're fit great. If not, we move on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's some steps in the middle there that help us qualify, understanding, you know, we call it pain, understanding the compelling reasons to do business together. Are people willing, are people willing and able yeah. to exchange their hard-earned dollars for your services or your products? And then how's the decision going to be made? Right. If we know those three things, we tend to know whether we have a qualified opportunity or not. Right. And then from there, it's really any type of presentation step we need to give and then overcoming you know, any kind of hidden objections or hidden bombs that may disrupt our sale. The highest level, that's what we're trying to do, right? And it's yeah. it's putting a process to what so many people are trying to do naturally or trying to do in a wing it type of fashion. Yeah. That was really eye-opening for me because mm-hmm. I had because I hadn't been in a role where even if I was involved with some of the process, I hadn't I didn't have the responsibility for bringing in new clients. It was like a great if you could, and if not, I wasn't tasked with that. So moving into my own agency where if you're not selling, right. you're not you're eating. You're not eating. <laughs> That's right. So, but I didn't have any idea of process. I really mm-hmm. was just, and that's what, and I think had I, you know, you look back and there are a million things if you could start your company, you know, do you do differently, but you would start understand the sales process before you even start the company so that when you launch you've already got that established because i started Mm -hmm. and scrambled and panicked and then got into sales training right and and again still a very you know all things considered a very successful launch but had i created that had that baseline from the get-go yeah it would have set such a different foundation because it would have then my time would have been more valued. Mm-hmm. And so I would have had more bigger successes in alignment with right. what I wanted to achieve instead of kind of picking and grabbing and taking what became available. Yeah, and you would have a good strategy for knowing when to go and not go yes. after certain opportunities. And yes. you would have a strategy for understanding, you know, what are the small, medium, and large opportunities right. that I should be hunting at any given time. Mm-hmm. If you spend all your time hunting elephants, for example, you could go six months or right. longer, you know, before you grab one. Right. 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 Yes. And then it consumes all your time. So right. is that the right approach that you right. want to take? The right mix. Yeah. We've done some work with business incubators and accelerators, and they do an amazing job of, you know, getting young companies up and running off the ground. Mm-hmm. The one thing that we see that they're consistently uh, missing not all of them, but that most that a lot of them are consistently missing is that sales process piece, right? Training people who are starting new businesses on how do we go out and sell? Because most people, like yourself, you know, you're a technician of what you've done, so mm-hmm. you're really, really good in a certain role, and you've got an entrepreneurial bend, and you go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to make my own way. I think I can make a living doing this. I think I can make a million doing this. And you go out and do it and you take a client or two with you or a client or two gravitates to you. And then, 
oh crap, I gotta go out and sell something. Right. And that's when it becomes real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we live it. I mean, now sales or business development is. You still struggle with that word, <laughs> don't you? Is <laughs> a you know is a lot of my day to day. Yeah. Job. Yeah. Um, so it's important. So uh, you touched on this a little bit, but let's talk, tell me what are the top one to three barriers that you see and work with people on to help them achieve greater sales success? So top three things, I would say the first one is just overall mindset, Mm -hmm. right? We have so much head trash. I mean, you just kind of illustrated that with the whole word sales, (laughs) Uh right? Right. Um, So many people, if you look at business cards, grab a stack of business cards and look at them very few say sales. Everybody's uh, a business development person, uh, some sort of um, business executive. Mm-hmm. Relationship. You know, or- yeah, relationship mm-hmm. manager, anything but sales. We have a lot of head trash around the word sales, and I think it affects our mindset. So mm-hmm. we go out there and we, we have this pressure in our head or these feelings in our head that prevent us from you know, doing the things that we need to do, like prospecting, mm-hmm. like going out and networking effectively. So one of the things that we work on when we're training people is that attitude or that mindset piece. It's part of you know, what we call a success triangle, which is part behavior, part attitude, and part technique. I think the second thing that uh, is a barrier would be just the whole notion of professional development. I, I use the East Coast, West Coast example about this all the time. If you go to the East Coast and you say, hey, Stacy, do you have a coach? You might look at me and say, a coach? What the heck? I don't need any help, right? You go to the West Coast and you say, hey, uh, where could I find a coach? Somebody's going to say to you, what do you mean? You don't have a coach? What's wrong with you, <laughs> right? So yeah. Yeah. I think in the Midwest, we have this skewed view of, professional development, whether it's a coach or a trainer or, hey, I'm participating in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this type of uh, professional development. Sure, we go out and we get all of our alphabet soup behind our name, all of our credentials, right? But if you listen to people talk about it, they're doing it because they have to, not because they're actively engaged in pursuing how can I be the absolute best that I can be. It's one of the things I love about what I do is that I do get to work with people who are of that mindset. And I get to choose to work with people who are of that mindset that are really looking to be the absolute best that they can be. The third one is around accountability. Many of us get into sales, and I'm a classic example of this. I got into sales because it comes naturally and I don't like to play by rules, which means I don't wanna be held accountable, right? (laughs) And we look at accountability as, oh, you're gonna be micromanaged or some manager's gonna have their thumb on me. Mm -hmm. And accountability is really nothing more than doing the things that you've committed to doing, right? And it's having some sort of accountability measure in there, whether it's a manager or whether it's me being accountable to my own playbook for success, but it's that accountability around doing that. And I think so many people fear or have head trash, again, going right, back to that right. word, you know, have head trash around accountability. We look at it as micromanagement. We look at it as something to be feared or something we don't want. Right. You know, I can look back in the history of starting Levitate and think of, well, I still struggle with, with many of those. Probably accountability being the most significant, but but there are things that they're not 
they're not simple and easy to overcome. They really no. do take that practice, that push, that um, consistent commitment to working on those. And they evolve. You yeah. know, there are some things that I, when I started Levitate, I came in and I still am very confident in what we do. You know, what we offer at Levitate is hands down the best PR, media mm-hmm. relations, you know, social media that someone can get anywhere. I know right. that. I believe in everything we do. But when you attach it to dollars, mm-hmm. then there's things get less comfortable. And that's just, again, it's just, there's not like a, a light switch where you just, oh, okay, you have to really work on it and, yeah. you know, keep practicing it. And there are many times where I have to really take a step back and think, okay, wait, how do I, how do I go about this situation? How do I rephrase this? Or think back to my training because mm-hmm. it's easy to get lost in the cycle of non-decision makers and right. handing out free feedback and right. things like that. So there's just so much involved there, but it is a growing, learning, constant constant process. Absolutely. You said something in- interesting in there that... I always said lots of interesting I know things, you... So. Just, just one. Just one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just one. I'll take it. I caught one thing in there, um, and that had to do with the the value or the worth mm-hmm. of, you know, really it's of your time. Yes. Right, which is a tough thing when a lot of entrepreneurs are starting out. You know, myself included, as you know, you get in, you're in a service based business, and you're providing value to somebody, and there's always that moment of. Is my time really worth this? I'm charging them a lot of money. Is it really worth it? And you've got to, you know, that's one of those interesting things as an entrepreneur that you got to work through. Right. Right. Yes. And and your time is valuable. Right. And the service you provide is valuable. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the, you know, the things that we have to overcome, whether we're training in sales, management, or doing one-on-one right. coaching. And like you said, this is not a light switch. Right. I mean, that's why most of what we do is reinforcement based. So we're doing these things over time, right? If we're in a coaching arrangement with somebody, it's three to six months minimum. If somebody's coming into management or sales training, it's a year commitment. If you're coming into our new program, it's minimum of a year commitment, Mm -hmm. Uh, probably three year commitment, you know, by the time we're all done, because it's going to take that much time to change behaviors, change attitudes, Um, along the way. Technique is easy. Technique is everywhere. It's a matter of adopting it. But what gets in the way of our technique are the two preceding things, which is our attitude, right? I can get all the great cold calling technique in the world if I don't believe it's worth it, or I don't believe that picking up the phone and talking to people is effective. It could be the most amazing technique in the world. It's not going to work. And if I don't do it from a behavior perspective, if I don't actually pick up the phone, then the technique's worthless. Yep. Right. Yep, exactly. You're listening to the Levitate Podcast. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. In all of your focus on helping people succeed professionally, mm-hmm. you also really help create values and, and boundaries. Mm-hmm. To me, this is one of the most powerful things in Sandler, and that's, we call it um, IR theory or identity and role theory. It's unique to Sandler. Um, it comes out of um, psychology, um, but Sandler's really adopted it and made it their own. Um, and what it is at the end of the day, it is understanding the separation between your identity, who you are, i.e. your self-esteem, and the different roles that we play, and that they are separate 
not one and the same. And so if we think about our roles, we could probably list 50 roles on the board, you know, that, that we each have, right? So you think about, you know, mom or coach or mentor, trainer, or owner, you know, all these different roles that we have, any one of them could impact the other, but really should they? If you if you have a bad day as an employer, you know, is it fair to bring that home and have that affect your family? Not at all, right? right? So we've got to keep separation between those roles, but even more importantly, we've got to keep that separate from our identity. We've got to protect our identity at all costs because our identity really dictates our level of performance. You know, when you think about selling, part of the reason why a lot of people avoid that word, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard because it is a place of constant rejection. Mm -hmm. It's a place of constant fear and it's a place where we get, quite honestly, beat up a lot. Yeah. Right? And so we've got to learn how to manage that. Right. Me and my selling role does not dictate who Jim Wilcox is. Right. Right? And mm -hmm. I can't let that happen. Even on the worst of days, I've got to keep that separate. Yeah. <laughs> you always say things and they sound, I'm like, oh, yes, 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 I can do this. Yes. <laughs> and it's so much <laughs> more difficult to actually do it. But, but again, that's why your what you do the sessions all of that is mm -hmm. so valuable because it is that reminder you know it is yeah. that guidance and um you know we talk about <clears throat> and levitate came to be because i said um great companies with great products don't equal great success mm -hmm. it's just not how it works right you know um average companies with average products with great marketing <laughs> creates great success right and, and not that you can't have great products and great marketing but and so it's it's there's a lot of similarities in in what you do because mm -hmm. you can have the greatest product in the world but if you don't have the ability to sell that or service right. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all and so there's just these really critical points and that's always part of what has drawn me in and we have such fascinating dynamic conversations because mm -hmm. what you do and what we do also very much go hand in hand. Absolutely. So we create, you know, these work on strong messaging and brand identity and things like that. But if, if we hand them over to a company and there isn't a strong sales process and sales team in place, then right. all the effort is fizzles and dies. Yeah, yeah, it's wasted. Yeah. And same for you. If you yeah. have, you know, when you're working on process is great but if people don't have great messages to communicate out right so it's been an, it's always an interesting dynamic and I think part of that is why I as a business leader there's so much that I can take and work into what we do and it makes me think differently about how we communicate and create messaging and how we involve the sales team yeah and what we're doing yeah so you've tossed out head trash yeah but what does that really mean oh what is Head trash. You might be the first person to actually ask me that. I think we all <laughs> identify with it, right? Uh -huh. It's it's the little voice on our shoulder, whether it's mom or dad or, you know, some sort of influence where we hear sales and, and we automatically, you know, tense up or, you know, we feel nauseated because we've had this bad experience or, you know, somebody has said, hey, sales equals sleazy, slimy car dealer you know, that type of thing. It's the voice in our head that, you know, when it comes time to ask a, a prospect or a client a really tough question that holds us back from 
really asking, even though we need know we need to, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to do it because we don't want to lose a sale or we don't want to affect the relationship. Right. And, and those are examples of head trash. Mm-hmm. The other head trash that's out there are the self-limiting beliefs. And I think you've touched on some of those things in other podcasts, you know, from a from a women in business or entrepreneurial startup, what are the self-limiting beliefs that hold us back? All of that is head trash. Right. We work on a daily basis to help people rid themselves of their head trash. Right. Um, one of the things we talk about a lot in training is it's, it's not your responsibility to really be concerned with what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. And that comes from a strong you know, identity side in knowing who you are, as long as you're operating in the world from, you know, a place of ethics and integrity and, um, you know, morality, then you can be confident that, hey, I'm okay, right? I'm okay, you're okay. It really doesn't matter what you think of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we talk a lot about that. And that is not only IR theory, but, you know, that helps us rid ourselves of our head trash. Right. As always. It's been such a pleasure. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming in. I do. I know that you just have a wealth of knowledge and insight, um, and I would encourage people to visit the website and check out. Do I get to plug it right now? Absolutely. That, go for it. it. So yeah. wilcox.sandler.com. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn. He does Absolutely. have lots of great information and bits um, that you can kind of glean from there, too. Um, but thank you for coming in and sharing. With appreciate it. Love what you're doing here. Love the podcast. Thank and, you. Uh, I'm a raving fan of Levitate. Thanks for listening to the Levitate podcast. At Levitate, we have a lot to say. Visit us at levitatenow.com to stay up to date on the latest episodes of our podcast and for links to our social media channels. Levitate. Dream big. Do bigger.